Thank you for subscribing to the weekly sermons of Crossfire YC. We are the Youth Church of Crossfire World Outreach Ministries located in Springfield, Oregon. This podcast is updated weekly. Being a traveling minister, and I'll tell you why, because there's nothing like a, first of all, there's nothing like a family atmosphere to be in, that you can be a complete stranger here, but yet you could totally feel that you are welcomed and you are accepted, you are believed in, and that is what just makes this church just an incredible, incredible uh, place to be. Um, I'm surely going to miss it. This is my last night session. Um, So what do you guys say we go out with a bang? Amen. We're going to go out with a bang. I hope you guys don't mind that. We're going to have a really great time. I I promise I will do my best to keep it short, but I am a minister, so that means I just lied right now. (laughs) But I'll do my best. I promise. This has been a journey. Um, As I was thinking about today, I had something else prepared, and just I I, I went home to G's house and just kind of laid down on the bed and was just asking God, like, you know, God, you know, I got this message prepared. I got this message to speak, but what do you want me to say? This is, this is the last night, and literally, I wrote this message in an hour. So, you guys ready for this? We've had a great time. It's been a journey. The first time we spoke, we talked about the five elements that are going to make you dangerous in this world. The five elements that are going to just literally create a turning point in your life where you decide to chase Jesus. Next, we talked about a desired heritage. That even though people may have damaged your, your, uh, your, your turning points, even though people may have come against us and abused us, even though maybe through our decisions and our choices, we have, we, you know, we've made some bad ones, but yet they've given us reference points. They've given us a place where we can begin and God can unleash what he has put inside of us, the promise of God. Last night, we talked about being a city in a city. That God, you you are a salvation city placed in a city to bring hope, to bring faith, and most importantly, to bring love. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about radiating God. We've had a great time, great experience, tremendous movement of God. How many believe that you're going to walk out of this place never, ever the same? Anybody in this place? Let me tell you something. That is a commitment right there. That is a promise to God, a sign of devotion. I'm not coming back this way again. Every time I speak at a camp, I always say this. Let's not come back here next year having to be built up, but rather built upon. Let's, let's, let's just get that out of our heads. You're not waiting for the next camp. You're just waiting for tomorrow. You're not waiting for Sunday. You're not waiting for, you know, Saturday or whatever service is next. You're waiting for the next moment with God. You want to be built upon, not built up. Amen. I want to talk to you guys really quick. I promise. About the glory of God. How many have just experienced this worship this t- tonight was just 
phenomenal. How many of you guys were touched by that worship? How about how many of you guys were impacted this week just by worship alone? That you could you could have got rid of all my boring messages and you could have just you could have just worshiped God in a tremendous way and walked out of here just like bam, just totally empowered by God. Anybody in this place? How about we give God a shout in this place? Amen. Let's get the blood flowing. tell you something. The glory of God is referenced in the Bible 300 or more times. I don't know. I I couldn't remember off the top of my head. I didn't want to go back to hard files of notes, but uh, hopefully in my schooling, it's correct. The presence of God is mentioned 300 or so times in the Bible. I want you to understand that God's glory, what you guys are experiencing this week, is an aspect of God. It's, it's one of his characteristics. It's one of his personalities. And it being a part of God and God being a part of you, it should be a part, it should be an aspect of your life. That if God's glory and, and him just manifesting himself, you know, I just... Last night, just seeing kids just literally just getting touched by the presence of God. No one laying their hands on them. Nobody doing anything. They're just standing there and God's presence is impacting their life. That is the glory of God. It's a part of Him. It's a personality. It's a part of His characteristics. The glory of God, listen to this, is the beauty and the heaviness of God. Now, maybe guys might understand this a little bit more, but what, have you ever experienced a girl so beautiful that it just, it made you literally feel tired just looking at her? Like maybe, maybe you're just like, oh my God, that's it. You're so heavy. I remember when I met my wife for the first time, I was actually trying to pick up on her friend. I was. I was in guitar class. That's the best way to pick up girls is in guitar class. He knows what I'm talking about. I'm in college. You know, uh, my dad's paying for college, so I'm just goofing around, you know, just having a great time. And uh, I, I, I had, like, a couple guitar classes and underwater basket weaving. And uh, I think I had two volleyball classes, you know. Uh, I remember when my dad got the, you know, my report card, you know, and I had, like, one English class. I think it was the only serious class I had. And he was like, I'm not paying for this. You know, you're, you're, you're going to school to play guitar and play volleyball. This is, I'm not paying for that. But I was trying to pick up on her friend. And uh, I, I was focused. In, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I went after her friend. And I, hopefully her friend doesn't hear this podcast or anything like that. But I, I went after her friend because going after Kim was like an impossibility. She was Barbie. And I was not Ken. I was like a 110-pound, like, geek from Star Wars, you know, uh, who was trying to look cool, you know? You ever meet those nerds that are just trying to be cool, you know? They're trying to show they're not nerd, but all of a sudden you start talking, you know, elvish to them, and they're like, but the Lord, you know, they start, they start speaking elvish out of nowhere, you know? That's what you want to do if you ever want to expose a nerd. You just misquote Star Wars, and it, it just... Uh, that's not what it says. I, I wouldn't know, but I, that's not what it says. 
By the way, I, I can quote the entire Star Wars movie from beginning to end, episode four. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I pride myself in that. I'm still trying to quote the Bible, so uh, <laughs> that's where my time is going. But God's glory is literally the beauty and the heaviness of God. When, when, when my wife actually started showing an interest in me, I'll tell you how it happened. I, you know, we were kind of like, I guess, tag teaming, dating. I don't know, you know, because we, we weren't really telling each other that we liked each other. And I remember um, I had a girlfriend who uh, at that time we were, we were, we were pretty serious. It was, she was my first serious relationship. She was a Christian. Her father was a, her, or, or her uncle was a minister in uh, Arizona. And he flat out told me, he goes, Doug, listen, you marry my cousin or you marry my niece. You'll, you'll never have to worry about a job. You just come, you'll come minister for me. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, we had, we had a great friendship, but we were just not boyfriending. We were just not married. This, I got something wicked in my eye. Um, but we were not, anyway, I don't want to get into this, but my, 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 uh, my girlfriend at the time, she, she was out of town. She, she was big into missions and, uh, she came back on Valentine's day and I, I wanted to see her and she was like, no, I'm tired. And I was like, wow, no, no one rejects Doug. You know, that's just bad. And so, um, uh, I actually started thinking about Kim. I was like, well, what about Kim? Could you marry Kim? I remember my mom, she was in the laundry room because I lived in the, the garage because my parent, that's where you put the embarrassment, you know? <laughs> Where's Jet? Jet knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> that, that, that's where you put the hidden lamb, you know, the, the sacrificial one. Like when God wants a sacrifice, you go get that guy, you know. Uh, my whole family was into sports. I, even my sister, she was into sports. Um, my brother, he played basketball. He was six, four and a half. This dude was massive. He played basketball. My, my brother, he played basketball and... My other brother, he played basketball and tennis. You know, I was an artist. So I really didn't have a lot to talk with my dad about. You know, I was into art. You know, like he bought my brother a basketball court. He bought me a desk, you know, an art desk. So we really didn't have too much communication in that area. So they put me in the garage. Like, we'll keep the embarrassment in the garage. We'll keep the artist back there. And he could have his little art studio gallery thing going on. And, um, Anyway, where was I going with this? Kim, there we go, yeah. You know, um, I don't know where my brothers had to come into this. You got to forgive me, it's 1019. And I'm hungry. <laughs> so uh, we're going to keep this pretty short. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> I have no idea where I was going with that. You guys are just totally jacking me up. So uh, anyway, I, I meet my wife. You know, I'll just get into the story. Oh, there we go. That's what it was. And um, my mom, she was in the she was in the uh, the laundry room, and I went in there, and I was, you know, I was telling my mom I was kind of hurt about the Valentine's Day thing, and my girlfriend, you know, being home, and my mom, she was like a psychic, you know, she would meet a girl for the first time, she would, all she would have to do is shake her hand, and she'd be like, run, I'll hold her back, run, you know, and I. I will say this. I always listen to my mom, and I thank God I did. Listen, listen to your moms. They know what kind of woman you need. Amen? Listen to your mamas. Because I did. I listened to my mom, and I, I was totally blessed. Because my mom, she goes, 
I, you know, I don't want to break you up or anything, but um, what about Kim? And I was like, what about Kim? And she's like, well, could you see yourself marrying Kim? And I was like, oh, no. I mean, I could, but her marrying me? No. I go, look at me. I'm, you know, I'm the alien off Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know? <laughs> It's, you know, if you, some of you kids may not know what I'm talking about, but if you're older in this place, you know, in the 80s, you know, you wait two and a half hours to see the freaking alien, and then five minutes, you know, after the, before the movie ends, the alien pops up, and you're like, that's it? Wow, okay, you know? But he comes out all gangly, you know, and he's, you know, that, that was me, you know, 6'2 and 110 pounds. But I, I was doing, we were doing worship at her church, and after the church, I, I, after the ser- worship service, I had my service to go to. So I told, I told Kim, you know, do you want to come back to my church? And she was like, yeah, yeah, we'll go to your church. And um, um, my, my, I'm shocked. I get out of my car and my girlfriend is there. Now, by the way, I've already known Kim for some months already. And I never told her I had a girlfriend. You know, got to be a player for life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> be quiet. Now. <laughs> uh, Never told her. So, you know, I see her car, and inside my mind, I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm in trouble. You know, my girlfriend's here. The girl I want to marry is here. Oh, geez, what am I going to do? So I was like, this is going to be awesome. What am I freaking out about? This is going to be sick. I'm going to have two girls, like, fighting over me in the church. This is going to be awesome. So um, I, I had no idea that Kim liked me, but I, I, I go into the church, and my girlfriend is there, and, you know, um, I, I introduce Kim. To my girlfriend. I'm like, Jessica, this is Kim. Kim, this is Jessica. You want to know what Kim did? Kim reached out her hand. She goes, hi, my name is Jessica. To Jessica. And instantly I knew, she likes me. At least she's thinking about liking me. Because she got all flabbergasted. And I found out from her friends later. I found out from her friends later that she was like, he never told me. He had a girlfriend, and before you know it, I'll make a long story short, um, we, we ended up dating and getting married, and it was just an amazing, amazing event. Let me tell you something. You live right for God, God will bless your life tremendously. Live right for God. Live the dating relationship holy before God, and I'll tell you what, you'll be blessed beyond anything you can reckon, you, before, before anything you can imagine. Me and my wife, we kept our relationship holy, pure, and before God. We weren't perfect, but we were pure. And God blessed our lives. Amen? Let's move on. God's glory, it's a heaviness. It's beautiful, but it's heavy. It weighs on us. We get in His presence and we're just like, just feeling God in the Old Testament. Glory is seen. When God's glory came, it was seen in fire and in clouds. Whenever God showed up, could you imagine walking into a worship service and you guys are praising God and all of a sudden just boom, you know, the stage puffs up in the fire? Or the sanctuary fills with clouds and you can't see each other? That's not the smog machine, that's God. Could you imagine, this is what God's glory was like. It was called Shekinah glory. You won't find that in scripture, but it's what the Jewish people, it's what the Jewish people, when they, when they mean that God is showing himself in glorious ways. 
In the Bible, God's glory not only surrounded people, but it led people. One of my favorite scriptures is right after Jesus gets baptized and God looks down from heaven and he's like, this is my son. He's so wicked awesome. He's the bomb. You know, you guys are going to love him. And then the Bible says that instantly after he was baptized, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. That'd be like you coming home with straight A's and your parents are like, oh my God, you're so awesome. Now clean the entire house. And you're grounded for 40 days and 40 nights. That's what it was like with Jesus. He just got baptized and his dad is so excited. And then he's like, bam, he's led by the spirit. The thing is, is this, you can overcome temptation when you're led by the spirit. The problem is that some of us, we're just putting ourselves in the situation. We're not led into it. We're leading ourselves. And then you wonder, why did I fall? Oh my God. (laughs) You weren't led by the Spirit because the Bible says this. When you are led by God, nothing is going to befall you that can take you out. Nothing can come your way that's going to hurt you. It's called Shekinah glory. God surrounds and leads his people. When God, This is one of my favorite scriptures. God is, he frees the people of Israel after 400 years of slavery. And silence from God. 400 years of slavery and finally God sends a deliverer Moses and the Bible says that Moses leads them to God he leads them to Mount Sinai where God where God is at and then the Bible says you know Charlton Heston style he comes down with these 10 commandments now I love Christians when they're like you know they think the 10 commandments was just nothing but a bunch of rules and regulations And one day it just dawned on me. I was like, are you telling me after 400 years of slavery and silence, cruelty to God's people, that the best he could come up with was 10 rules? Let me tell you something. There was more to the Ten Commandments than just 10 things of don't do's. It was a marriage covenant. When you get married, the pastor's going to bring you up here. And that, that... That groom is going to be expecting his wife. That groom is going to be expecting his wife to give all of herself to him. What would it look like if, you know, the pastor's like, do you groom? And he's like, I do. And he looks to her and he's like, do you? And she's like, maybe. If he will just give me one night a year to be with anybody I want to be with. If I was, what? Come on, what's the big deal? There's 365 days a year. One day. You give me 364 days. Just give me one day to have somebody else. Heck no. Adios, girl. It was God's way of saying, look it. If you want to be in a right relationship with me, this is what I need from you. And God even says this, you do this, I'll do this. You obey, you follow this covenant, I'll bless your life. You follow this, I'll be with you always. Even when you think the world is going to end, I'll be there with you. And God tells Moses, 
get the people ready. I want to meet them. What an awesome God. He wants to personally meet his people. So Moses gets everybody ready to go meet God. And then the Bible says that when God descended down the mountain, it was fire and lightning and thunder and clouds. And the Bible says the people were scared and frightened. They, they finally were, you know, the first two commandments, God spoke himself. And finally the people were like, we don't want to hear God's voice. We're going to die. Moses, speak for us. Speak for God. And so the rest of the, 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 the latter of the Ten Commandments, the, re, the, the, the last eight were spoken by Moses. Because the people could not handle his glory. It was too thick. It was too big. The fire, guys, is something so glorious. Because in dark places, it is a sign of hope. One time I went camping with my dad. It was just me and my dad horrid because me and my dad are not camping guys my dad is a he's a man's man but he's just not a camping man's man you know he's a radisson ramada even if a motel six kind of guy we'll rough it at motel six doug we'll do this together and uh I'll, i'll never forget one time just everything just wasn't working and we my dad you know just the equipment wasn't working. The fire wasn't working. And I just remember my dad, he was just, I guess he was thinking I was going to freeze to death or something because he was out there for hours trying to get this fire started. Just out there. And I'm like, you know, I got my, my junior, you know, Boy Scout handbook. I don't think you're doing it right, Dad. Son, why don't you just be quiet? All right. You want to check out my handbook? He finally gets this fire going. And it... This is the best way I can illustrate this. It was so amazing. It was the first time that I realized, like, the power of fire. See, when you're a kid, you just want to play with it. But this, it was completely dark. And when he lit that fire, all of a sudden, our entire campsite was illuminated. And what was even cooler was we were making marsh, marshmallow things stuff. S'mores. Thank you. We were making s'mores. That's how much of not a camper I am. You know, see, I like this. This is awesome camp right here. Give it up to God. If I would do camp, this is how I do it right here. You got people cooking in the back. You got a roof over your head. You got air conditioning, heating, awesome worship music. This is the bomb. You know, don't go outside. Stay here. This is great. Now, I remember we're making these marshmallows and I got this stick and sticking it in there. I just remember I, I pulled it out and it was on fire, you know. And my dad was like, son, blow that out. Dude, blow that out. Duck, blow it out. You know, you're going to set some on fire. And sure enough, you know, leaves and stuff. I'm like throwing things at it, you know, trying to, you know. Finally, when I blew it out, what was amazing is the tip of that stick was bright red. It radiated that fire. That even though it, it wasn't fire, it still radiated it. It still was hot. It was still like, it, it felt like fire. It, was, it still had the power to ignite something else on fire. It was radiating. I want to share this scripture with you. When people would leave God's glory, they radiated his glory. This is what God is calling us to do as those who are carrying his image. God wants you to radiate 
what is happening here and take it out there. To radiate, to expose. Look at, I want to share this scripture with you. It's found in Exodus 34, 29. It says this. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying the two tablets of the testimony, the Ten Commandments, he didn't know that the skin of his face glowed because he had been speaking with God. Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, saw his radiant face, and held back, afraid to get close to him. Look at this. He has an experience with God, and he is completely changed. Anybody get changed this week? You are radiating God. You're radiating God. God's glory is connected. Let me tell you something. God's glory is connected in our true worship of him. When you begin to truly worship God's glory, you are connected to him. Listen to me. God isn't said to be glorious. He is glorious. When they wanted to build the very first church in the Bible, King David wasn't allowed to build it because the Bible says he was a man of war. And there was the blood of many innocent on his hands. So God says, you cannot build my temple. But he turns the plans over to his son Solomon, who was a man of peace. And the Bible says that Solomon oversaw the construction of the temple. And when it was done, God's glory comes down and fills the temple. Worship comes because of God's glory. Listen to this scripture in 1 Kings 8, 10 through 11. When the priests left the holy place, basically they were the guys that put the final stamp of approval on the building. They were like, okay, this building is okay for God. This building is okay for worship. And then what happens is this. A cloud filled the temple of God. I love this next part. The priests couldn't carry out their priestly duties because of the cloud. The glory of God filled the temple of God. When they had the very first church service, you got to get a picture of this. The rules and regulations for the first church service, guys, any pastor would be in the back with a gun ready to kill themselves. It was extensive. Now get a picture of this. The priests walk out and they're like, okay, everybody, let's do church for the first time. And the Bible says that when God descended into the church, the priests couldn't even carry out their first service. The religious people, the religious practices and rituals could not even be completed because God's presence. Let me tell you something. Where God's presence is, guys, there's freedom. Where God's presence is, there is freedom. The scripture actually puts it this way. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The sad thing is, is when you study this out, because people lost worship for the glory of God. This is where it's going to get serious, folks. These people had such an incredible, awesome time, but throughout time, they lost worship for the glory of God. Don't ever lose your worship for the glory of God. They lost their worship for the glory of God. They got used to him just being there. So they turned to idols and God's glory left them. They turned to idols and the Bible says that God's glory exiled. It left them. He was always there, 
Because scripture tells us that he'll never leave us or forget about us. But his glory left them. Listen to this scripture, 1 Samuel 4, 21 through 22. This is when it left. The chest of God, gone. Father-in-law dead, husband dead. She named the boy Ichabod. Glory gone. Saying, glory exile from Israel since the chest of God was taken. From this point on, for 600 years, God's glory was gone. He was always there. He was still speaking to people. But you never find God descending again to the earth in fire or clouds after that event. That's the last time it happened. Because the people lost their worship for the glory of God. This week... Do not forget what God has done. One of my one of, just one of my favorite events that happened throughout the Bible is God is always telling the people, remember, 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 remember. He's always instructing them to remember what he did for them yesterday. Because if you remember what God did for you yesterday, and the Bible says that his future is huge then what he did yesterday is going to be a lot bigger tomorrow. That no matter what I'm going through, if God came through then, I know he's going to come through in my present. If God conquered this in my life, if he broke this in my life, I know he's going to do something in my future. Moses had a God encounter that changed his life. But listen to this, this blew me away. He comes down, his face is radiated with God. The people are scared. They're afraid of him. And the Bible says he had this God experience, but covers it up. Exodus 34, 33 says this. When Moses finished speaking with him, he put a veil over his face. But when he went into the presence of God to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. When he came out and told the Israelites what he he had been commanded, they would see Moses' face, its skin glowing. And then he would again put the veil on his face until he went back in to speak with God. Listen to this. He had this incredible experience, but he covers it up. Some of you guys had an incredible experience this week, and the enemy is going to lie to you and tell you you got to cover it up. People are going to be scared of you. People are going to be afraid of you. People aren't going to like your change. So maybe take it down a notch. Take it down a notch. Moses put a veil on his face, not because God commanded him. The Bible says that God never commanded him to do that. He responded to the people's fears. He responded. He wanted people to be close to him. No one wants to be a loner. He wanted people to be close to him, so he puts this veil on his face. It was obvious that God did something to him in those 40 days or in the week, but he didn't let it all out. Let me tell you something. If we are alive with Christ, then why do we want to keep it quiet? If God regenerates us and makes us alive, why do we want to keep it quiet? We're squashing what God wants to do with your life. Let me tell you something. 
When something is alive, it fights for breath. It's going to fight for breath. It's going to want you to put oxygen into it. Open your mouth and let God out. Open your lives and let God do his thing. God wants us to radiate him and keep it going through true worship of his glory. Not radiating our agenda or plan or the plans of others. Let me tell you something. Jesus had one agenda. The Great Commission. And it was enough for the disciples. Luke 9, 1 through 5. Jesus now called the 12 and gave them authority and power to deal with all the demons and cure diseases. He commissioned them to preach the news of, of God's kingdom and heal the sick. He said, don't load yourselves up with, with equipment. Keep it simple. You are the equipment. And no luxury ends. Get a modest place and be content there until you leave. If you're not welcome, leave town. Don't make a scene. Shrug your shoulders and move on. Matthew 10, 5 through 8 says this. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Listen to this. Go to the lost, confused people right in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously. So live generously. This is what God's glory looks like on the outside. The disciples' spiritual lives were connected with God's glory made alive through them. Basically, what this means is everything was spiritual to them. You never hear, I mean, if you could find it in the Bible, I would be super stoked. But you would, you'll never hear the disciples getting together and being like, Hey, uh, Peter, uh, how's your uh, spirituality today? You know, John, my spiritual walk with God is not going too well. You won't hear John telling Mark, Man, what am I supposed to do with my life? What's my calling? Never once do you hear Jesus say, You know, my, my, my spiritual life is really struggling right now. My spiritual walk is just, it's not up to par. Everything is spiritual. Jesus put it this way. I am always about my father's business. I am always about my father's business. Let me tell you something. Get about God's business. Make everything you do his business. And watch God's glory shine in everything you do. The Bible says that everything you put your hand to will be blessed. Everything that you put your hand to, will be, that God will do something magnificent with it. Allow God to let his glory shine through you. I want to encourage you tonight as the worship team comes. If I could have the worship team come up here right now. I want to encourage you tonight. Don't get comfortable here. Just really quick. Everybody just pay attention for five, more, ten, five, five ten more minutes. Don't get comfortable here. I don't mean in this church, but I mean this event. Because this is for this moment. Everything that's happening right now is for this moment right here, right now. That's what this is here for. 
It's for this moment. God has so much more of his glory for you. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 8 says this. The government of death, its constitution chiseled on stone tablets, had a dazzling inaugural. Moses' face as he delivered the tablets was so bright that day, even though it would fade soon enough, that the people of Israel could no more look at him than stare into the sun. How much more dazzling then the government of the living spirit. Basically, what, 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 the, what Paul is trying to get across here is what happened in Moses' day, that was, for, that was for that moment. But God's got something alive that wants to live with you moment by moment by moment. Let me tell you something. God moves in a series of moments. He moves in a series of moments. He doesn't prepare people. Jeremiah, he was a farmer. He was in the FFA, Future Farmers of America. He's farming and God says, Jeremiah, today you're my prophet. God moves in a series of moments. David, when David was anointed king, you got to check this story out. This one blows me away. The prophet Samuel, they just anointed King Saul over Israel, the first king of Israel. They just anointed him not too long ago. He makes a mistake with the temple of God, you know, the tabernacle. He makes some mistakes and God wants another king. When Saul was anointed king of Israel, hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of people were in attendance for that. God tells Samuel, we need another king. We need another king. So he sends him to some random guy's house. And God tells Samuel, my king is here. This is where my king lives. So he goes up to the, the, the guy that owns the house. And he's like, I need to see all your sons. The guy brings out his sons. And he's like, this is my firstborn. He's super strong. He's a man's man. He's like Mel Gibson on steroids. He's just pumped. And Samuel looks at him and he's like, no, this is not my king. Well, what about this? This is my middle son. He's super smart. He's like, he's like Stephen Hawking smart, except he's got legs. He's wicked smart. And Samuel looks at him. He's like, no, this isn't my king. Well, what about this guy? This is my Brad Pitt. He's hot. He's going to attract a lot of girls. I mean, he's... This, look, take off the shirt, dude. Just do that thing with the chest. Look at that. Is that not kingly right there? Samuel's like, that's pretty awesome. But that's not my king. He goes, you have no more sons? And his dad says this. You're not talking about David, are you? He's a weak, scrawny... 110, 62, curly-haired, Star Wars freak. Well, where's he at? He's picking up sheep poop. 
That's what we do with the weaklings. We put them out in the pasture. You put your best out front. Samuel says, take me to David. The Bible says when Samuel saw David from a distance, he didn't even have to be in David's presence. He told the father, that's my king. When Samuel anointed David, it was just Samuel and his dad who didn't even like him. And some brothers who his dad thought were better than him. And he anoints this kid, king of Israel. Let me tell you something about God's glory. It is no specter of persons. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be this beautiful built machine. You just have to have a willing heart. You know why David was anointed king? It says because he worshiped God all the time. Everywhere he went, he was worshiping God on his guitar. Just worshiping God. Slap at the bass. Worshiping God. All the time. While his brothers were more focused on war and girls and education, David was out picking up sheep poop and singing songs of praise about it. That's what made him a king. Because he couldn't stop worshiping God. This world is going to want you to cover up, to put a bag on your face, to say, oh, it's okay if you were changed. Just don't get crazy about it. It's okay that God did something for you this summer, but just just be a little calm about it. It's okay if your life was radically dismantled and then repaired. Don't try to tell us about it. Let me tell you something. This is what Paul said. Go to that last scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Or 3... I'm sorry, I have it. (laughs) I want to just read this to you. 2 Corinthians 3.8 says this. If that makeshift arrangement that Moses had impressed us, how much more than this brightly shining government installed for eternity with that kind of hope to excite us nothing can hold us back unlike Moses now listen to this Paul is telling you not to be like Moses unlike Moses we have nothing to hide everything is out in the open with us he wore a veil so the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory of God was fading away from his life. And they didn't even notice it. They still don't notice it. They didn't notice it then. They didn't notice it now. They don't notice that there is nothing left behind that veil. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness. Now look at this. Our faces are shining with the brightness of his face. We are radiating God. 
And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. What this scripture is saying, folks, is that if we allow this world, if we allow this world to say, you know what, you're not going to have too many friends if you're too radical for God. Just, why don't you put a cover on it? Why don't you just put a veil on it? Hide it. The glory of God is going to start slipping away from our lives. I don't know about you, but I want to hold on to the glory of God in my life. I want to hold on to it. I want to fight for it. When this world says, you know what, Doug, you're just, you're maybe just a little too crazy about this. I want to tell them just like David said, I will be yet more vile. I will be yet more undignified. When this world says, what are you doing? You're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose the connection with your family. You're going to lose all everything for this Jesus. I want to say, I will be yet more undignified. I will be more about putting God's glory on display. I will worship God everywhere, anywhere, anytime. I want God's glory in my life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We give you everything, God, we have tonight. We give you everything tonight. I know it's 11 o'clock. Just bear with me for just a few more seconds. This is pivotal. Please, stay focused. What Moses did by putting that veil on his face. He blocked out the glory of God and gave them procedure. He blocked out the glory of God and gave them rules. He blocked out the glory of God and gave them rituals and traditions. Let me tell you something. When you put a veil on your face, when you allow this world to say, you know, don't be so radical. Don't be so, so crazy about this. Basically, what all you're telling them is I go to church and I pray and I sing. There's nothing more to me other than that. There is so much more. Moses took away the justice of God. And the glory of God was fading from his life. It doesn't mean that he was wrong and it doesn't mean that he's not a pillar of faith. But the people missed a tremendous, tremendous opportunity to know the glory of God in his radiance and the power that he can do to them. When you remove the veil, you are telling the world this God is for anybody, anyone, anywhere, anytime. Hear this word with me, Isaiah 58. If we could just stand to our feet really quick. 
Someone once told me, Doug, you're against religion. And I said, no, I'm not against religion. Jesus was all for religion. He even said it in Matthew. He said, follow the ways of the Pharisees and you'll get to heaven. He said, just do not follow their hypocrisy. Jesus honored religion. He saw the importance of it. This is what God says in Isaiah 58. This, starting in verse 6, this is the kind of religion I'm after. This is God saying, this is the kind of religion I'm after. I want you guys to hear these words. Let it sink into your heart. This is the kind of religion I'm after, saith the Lord. I'm looking for religion to break the chains of injustice. Get rid of exploitation. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless poor into your homes. Putting clothes on the shivering cold. Being available to your own families. Do this and the lights of your life will turn on. Your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. And the glory of God will secure your passage. Then when you pray, I, the Lord, will answer you. You guys catch that? You start living a life, a religion, a faith based off of this. The glory of God will secure your passage. Then when you pray, I, the Lord, will answer. You will call out my name for help. And I will say, here I am. Here I am. To give a full life in the emptiest of places. Let's pray. Father, we...